0: You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz
1: Eisenberg, WHMP. In Saturday's Boston Globe, the front page, uh, underneath, to be sure, the story about the new head coach, head coach of the Patriots, uh, is this story. Headline Ignoring COVID Still Comes With a Price, some doctors say. The number of COVID-19 infections and hospitalizations is surging across the region. Levels of coronavirus in Boston area wastewater recently reached their highest point since the Omicron surge two years ago. Yet, pandemic-era precautions like masking and testing before parties and flights, even when you have a cold, has gone the way of toilet paper hoarding and Zoom birthday parties. And just one in five Massachusetts residents say they have received the latest booster, which protects against the new highly contagious variant causing the surge. What are the potential consequences? The answers vary depending on which public health expert you ask. The public health expert we ask today is Norbert Goldfield. Dr. Norbert Goldfield, Goldfield is the CEO of the bipartisan Ask Nurses and Doctors uh, he is a Northampton resident, a practitioner at Brightwood Health Center in Springfield. Dr. Goldfield has written a new book that we want you to know about titled Public Health, Public Trust and American Fragility in a Pandemic Era. Dr. Goldfield, thank you so much for being with us today. The recent surge in COVID-19 uh, death rates come out. I see them regularly on my news feed. Hospitalizations are up. Uh, not as many people are dying, but somehow we accept deaths from COVID-19 just part of the landscape, and we don't seem to be doing much, much about it, notwithstanding this recent surge. I would really appreciate your perspective, and then I'm going to ask you later, and what should we do? But let's start. What's your view of what is going on?
2: Well, yesterday was a good example. I had uh, two COVID-positive patients. Uh, fortunately I did not see them face-to-face. They were both telephonic visits. Uh, but on Friday, uh, I had a patient who was COVID-positive who I saw face-to-face. Uh, so COVID is here. Uh, and again, as you highlighted, the reality is, uh, and I'll say it in a different way, the reality is we have, we have interventions that we did not have Uh, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, would that really make a difference? And as you pointed out, uh, we're not availing ourselves. We should be making whole lots of efforts as a society, as a medical profession, as health professionals to get the interventions going. And I I purposely put on uh, a mask, which obviously the audience can't see, but I just want you to see it, is that I'm still wearing a mask when I go into large spaces Uh, with lots of people, I wear a mask in my practice. Until recently, I was the only one who was wearing a a mask in my practice. Now everybody is because we're in a red zone again. Uh, There's a lot we can do and we should be doing it and we need to work together as a society to get it going.
1: Well, let me ask you about that because the Globe story goes on to say this and I think it might be part of the reason why uh, we collectively are so cavalier about covid notwithstanding that it's killing lots of people. Here's a quote, one sentence. With more than 95% of Americans now carrying antibodies against some forms of the virus, either from a vaccine or previous infections, the risk of serious illness and death is low for most of the population. Uh, so it's over. We can ignore it. But you seem to be saying no. But there's a there's a schism here. Help me understand that. There is, and I'll highlight it for you this way. Uh there was a uh,
2: a medical conference uh that was held on zoom from ucsf and they had three experts on long COVID uh at the conference uh and the three experts were asked at the end of the meeting uh, are you still wearing a mask and they each one of them said yes and the person who was organizing the conference said you know it's strange because i go to infectious disease meetings and i hardly see anybody wearing a mask and so, yes, there is a schism there. And uh, for me, it's fairly straightforward. Uh, I am my uh, I don't have significant healthcare problems. Uh, I have, I'm at risk because I'm older than 65, but the reality is that everybody, and that's a fault of leadership. I consider this a fault of leadership from a health professional leadership and our political leadership. We should be emphasizing the uh, the benefits of, uh, of prevention and which include uh, the hope that if you uh, if you can avoid COVID, you can avoid the likelihood of something that we really don't understand, which is long COVID. So at the end of the day, I'm particularly concerned about getting long COVID. Uh, low probability, but let me tell you, I know people who have long COVID and it is a very unpleasant uh, road to hoe and it can definitely happen to young people.
1: And it can last, as far as we know, for your life. I mean, it's a, hor- huh? a horrifying condition. Uh, We are speaking with uh, Dr. Norbert Goldfield. His new book is Public Health, Public Trust, and American Fragility in a Pandemic Era, the subtitle, The Critical Role of Healthcare Professionals. Buzz, you want to ask? I do, uh, doctor. We have um, a
0: a very knowledgeable um, Dr. Jonathan Baguk, who is the chief of the Immunology and uh, Infectious Disease division of Bay State. Uh, he was just on last week. And when we asked him about masking, and, and I, I was a very careful COVID person for two years, masked everywhere. Um, he said it's a matter of personal choice, which kind of surprised me. And we've, we've heard from a listener who said it kind of surprised that listener as well. Uh, could you comment on what that means to you as a matter of personal choice to wear a mask right now or not? The reality is, we as
2: a society, for any number of reasons which are beyond today's conversation, uh, we are fractured uh, 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 politically in uh, in our our public health. I want to be clear: our public health systems. You know, we don't have a public health system. Our public health systems are worse off today than they were three years ago at the beginning of the pandemic. So instead of learn taking our lessons from the uh, uh from what what happened during COVID, where we performed the worst let me emphasize again and i hope the volume is up there the worst of any industrialized country in the world by far uh in terms of mortality and any number of other indicators well the reality is our our politics is fractured and so that's why he's reduced to saying um that it's a personal choice so it's emphasized at, at Brightwood, at my practice, it's emphasized at Bay State that people are supposed to wear. But the reality is, uh, at this point, we're beyond the point of forcing. That said, that said, we are also absent the political and healthcare leadership. Uh, I met with the president of the American Medical Association, no interest. You know what's happening at a state level, at a national level, in terms of Biden and healing. Do they talk about COVID? Nothing. So. The reality is, we don't talk about it, but we know what the science shows. The science shows that masks work, the vaccines work, and uh, and if you're at significant risk, there are a fair number of hospitalizations, not as bad as the beginning of the pandemic, uh, but they do exist, deaths do occur, uh, and long COVID is to be concerned
1: about. Do you see this as a political choice that we are making? or as a medical choice that we are not being given. I, I'd like to know where you ascribe the responsibility for our failure at this point to really take this public health. Uh, I don't know if crisis is quite the right but, but certainly a public health issue. We're not taking it seriously. Uh, and yeah. w- who should be doing what? Well, at the end of the day, that's why, uh, I wrote the book,
2: you know, that, uh, Uh, where the subtitle was The Critical Role of Healthcare Professionals. My dream, and I still hope, is that healthcare professionals, organizations, will take the lead. So far, they haven't. Uh, For sure, the political class, whether it's Republicans or Democrats, are not interested. It's not a crisis as it was in 2020. The death rate is definitely not as high. But suffering is, is occurring, deaths are occurring, and they're avoidable that's one thing that I want to be clear. Many of these deaths and many of these hospitalizations are avoidable uh, if we uh, uh, if we actually uh, follow the science. The question is what to do about it.
1: Well, let, me, and, uh, let, let me ask you about that, because uh, Ron DeSantis, as governor of Florida, uh, uh, runs in significant measure on I opened up Florida. We ignored COVID-19, and then he leaves out the fact and we more people died in Florida than anywhere else per capita because of what he did. And people clap and applaud and say, yes, he got government out of our lives. I mean, it may have killed a couple hundred thousand people, but hey, these things happen. I, I don't get it. What's your view of that?
2: All I can say, and uh, part of ask nurses and doctors is to be politically engaged, uh, organizing healthcare professionals in support of political candidates around the country who believe in healthcare reform is we have to try to elect uh, people and or uh, reelect incumbents who believe in healthcare reform, which which also involves a, a strong public, uh, public health system uh, because we don't have that agreement now. So that's what I say about that. And secondly, I will continue to try with respect to either the state medical society or the national medical society, the American Medical Association, to convince them of, of the importance of this um and of course i do this on an individual uh, level i had a had a patient yesterday uh who's a a good example he's definitely at risk he's 35 very significant medical issues and he was talking to me about the conspiracy issues conspiracy theories that he had and i said look you know they're not conspiracy theories they're your beliefs and i respect them and and we need to talk about them but i'd like you to also consider the science and he said you know i'll consider it let's talk again about it in a week That's what needs to occur at a micro, uh, at a macrocosm. That kind of conversation that occurred at a
0: microcosm yesterday. Dr. Norbert Goldfield, this is Buzz. We have heard so much about healthcare professionals, nurses, and others in the field. Uh, We have a shortage now. People have gotten out of the field more than getting into the field. What do you see the long-term future of those core jobs coming back for people and people to fill those jobs uh being willing to do so well the reality is i'm
2: i'm one of those people who uh uh and certainly bill knows me that i consider it an honor to be a healthcare professional i mean that's just the way i'm constituted uh and the reality is many people in fact i would say the vast majority of people um who go into health professionals who become healthcare professionals want to do uh, and want to do uh, uh help others uh, certainly we expect to be compensated for it. So it's a combination of setting the rules of, 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 uh, of work that needs to be uh, continuously updated. Uh, and at the same time, uh, the issue of compensation. And those are kind of the type of health reform and policy questions that Ask Nurses and Doctors gets involved with as to how we can, for example, concretely, how do we strengthen primary care so that it's, both, it's attractive to people uh, to enter primary care, whether you're a nurse practitioner or a primary care physician, uh, to, to stay in the field and to join the field.
1: And as primary care, I know people talk about uh, 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 PCP primary care practitioners. Um, is that what we used to call family doctors? Yes, yes.
2: And, you know, and so uh, the reality is people like me uh i'm an internal medicine doctor family doctors used to deliver babies and so on and so forth you know we we, there's a lot you know that we know more than when i started medicine 45 years ago and so i'm happy not to deliver babies not to do surgery and to do primary care internal medicine
1: the boston globe headline ignoring COVID still comes with a price some doctors say one of those doctors dr norbert goldfield uh northampton resident and practitioner at Brightwood Health Center, part of Bay State in Springfield. His new book, Public Health, Public Trust, and Family Fragility in a Pandemic Era. He is one of those practitioners, one of those physicians who says ignoring COVID still comes with a price. More with Dr. Goldfield right after this.
0: Or talk the talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg coming up right here on WHMP. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz
1: Eisenberg. WHMP. We continue our conversation with Dr. Norbert, Norbert Goldfield, whose new book is "Public Health, Public Trust, and American Fragility in a Pandemic Era," subtitle: The Critical Role of Healthcare Professionals. Uh, Dr. Goldfield. The book does celebrate healthcare professionals, but it does also say as a practical matter with regard to COVID and uh, the potential for another pandemic, uh, what the profession has done and is doing is really failing uh, the public. Uh, And I'd be interested to know what kind of a reaction have you had to the book? The reality
2: is it's not surprising. Uh, uh, we, as, uh, as healthcare professionals, think about uh, the future. We have not uh, historically tried to combine, for example, when we talked about primary care, we didn't uh, combine our interests in primary care and make the connections with public health. That is difficult. Hospital associations, for example, take care of hospitals. Public health has historically been a stepchild. And what the book tries to do is try to bring the efforts together of uh, public health uh, and primary care.
1: And I know that we, because we were talking about this during the break, uh, that there is public health legislation pending uh, in the Massachusetts legislature. Could you tell us about that, what it does and what its prospects are? So the bottom line is that nothing's going to happen politically
2: at a national level. As I alluded uh, uh, before the break, that we're too fractured in this country to do the kinds of things we should be doing with respect to the Centers for Disease Control uh, and and other public health issues. But we can do things at a state level. Uh, And uh, one thing that people probably don't know is that, uh, for example, that most of public health uh, uh, in Massachusetts uh is is relying on relies on local uh property taxes and so we want to increase equity through this legislation that's called safe Two, s support uh uh it's called uh statewide it's a long name but it's safe 2.0 s-a-p-h-e 2.0 the bottom line on this legislation is that it has passed the senate and needs to pass the house uh, there are many people in terms of uh, locally, like Lindsay Sabadoza, of course, who is uh, supportive, but we and many other uh, the House people in the, uh, in, the, um, uh, in the Western Mass who are supportive. But what we need to do is get to the House Speaker uh, and the Chair of House Ways and Means to get this over the finish line.
1: And could you be a little more specific on what the bill would do? Yep,
2: what it does is establishes minimum public health standards for every community because what it now in in Massachusetts, every local health department in Massachusetts, which is different from most other states, can sort of do whatever they want. We want to establish minimum public health standards. We want to increase uh, 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 capacity and effectiveness by uh, encouraging shared services. We want to have a uniform data collection and reporting system, which we don't have right now. I mean, it's just unimaginable. We don't have that right now. And then by not relying totally on local property taxes, as is largely currently the case, and to get appropriate state support, that will increase equity uh, between, for example, poorer areas and, and wealthier areas.
1: So we can uh, contact our local legislators and the Speaker of the House and uh, other elected officials and say… and. Chair of the House, uh, <clears throat> house uh, Ways and Means,
2: SAFE two point zero SAPHE 2.0, that needs to be passed by the House. It's passed the Senate and we need to get it across the finish line.
1: Uh, Dr. Goldfield, in, in the short time we have left, I would appreciate your perspective on two things that are related. One is what should we be doing personally now to protect ourselves and our families and our loved ones and our colleagues and our neighbors? And are you at all optimistic? Well, the reality is what we have today is, is the
2: science. We have science that shows that it's a good idea, whatever uh, whatever age you are, to get appropriately vaccinated against flu and against COVID. Uh, so start with that. Also include RSV in that, which is a which is uh, a virus for which there's a new vaccine. So there are vaccines. Secondly, for in large gatherings, I still encourage using masks. And lastly, communicate uh, with your politicians. Exert leadership, and specifically with respect to this pending
1: legislation in the state, which is called Safe 2.0. We have been speaking with Dr. Norbert Goldfield, his new book available at your local independent bookstore, Public Health, Public Trust, and American Fragility in a Pandemic Era, The Critical Role of Healthcare Professionals. Dr. Goldfield, thank you so very much for your time today, for your insights, and for this important book. We really appreciate all of that. Thank you so much. Behind motor doors, damn it, and imagination. Weird science. Not what teachers said to do. Making dreams come true. Living tissue, warm flesh. Weird science.